The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from St. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21, and can be found on page 1520 of your Pew Bible. Matthew records, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves for some food. And Jesus replied, They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Well, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. And bring them here, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So the verses that precede the gospel today tell us about the death of John the Baptist. And you may recall that Jesus and John had a special relationship. The language in the Bible is not quite precise enough to tell us whether John and Jesus were first cousins, third cousins once removed, or something in between. Regardless, they were related in some way. John was also the forerunner of Jesus. He was the one who pointed to Jesus as the Messiah. And further, many of Jesus' disciples began their religious training as disciples under John the Baptist. So Jesus and his disciples, they had every reason to grieve over John's death. Then the preceding verses 
also tell us that Jesus and his disciples had been, well, insanely busy for quite some time. They were all tired, and they needed a break. It makes sense that Jesus decided to take his disciples across the Sea of Galilee to a wilderness area. They needed to grieve for John, and they needed to take a breather from their heavy workload. Today's language, somebody might say they needed to unplug, or back in the day, you might say they needed to recharge their batteries. Suffice it to say, they needed a, they needed a little vacation, a little time away. But the crowds, the crowds had other ideas. For they watched Jesus and his disciples pull away from the shore, and it didn't take them long to figure out their destination. They did a, a quick march, double time around the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And when Jesus arrived at the other shore, the crowds were already starting to arrive. They wanted, they needed more teaching from Jesus. And so Matthew described the situation as Jesus stepped out of the boat in this way. He, when he went to shore, he saw a crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Now we know that during Jesus' state of humiliation, he never, ever used his divine power to help himself. On the other hand, he often used his divine power to help others. You see, he could look into people's hearts who came his way. And he could see that they were spiritually starved. And then there's a, a parallel gospel to Matthew in the gospel of Mark and Mark tells us that the people, in Mark 6.34, he describes them, they were like sheep without a shepherd. Their total spiritual helplessness is what affected Jesus so profoundly. He saw the many tragedies that sin had brought into their collective lives. And as Jesus came ashore, we see the kingdom of heaven at work as God reigns through Jesus to heal the sick, to reverse the corruption that that sin brought into this world. And as Jesus filled the spiritual emptiness of the crowd, the day wore on. And soon, the disciples began to think about the physical emptiness of the crowd, that people were starting to get hungry, and that those folks will soon need to eat. So, we have to give the disciples credit for thinking of people's hunger. And they came to Jesus, as it's written, and they said, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away into the villages 
and buy food for themselves. Now, on the other hand, it seems as though the disciples think that Jesus cannot or does not want to do anything about the crowd's need for food. And of course, Jesus knew there was no need to send the people away. And so he said so when he said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Now here's an opportunity for the disciples to shine. They could have said, okay, Jesus, what do you have in mind? But instead they said to him, we have only five loaves here and only two fish. Now this might make a filling lunch for a little boy, but not for more than 5,000 people. And we once again see that the disciples failed. They failed to rely on Jesus, and they tried to rely on themselves and their own wisdom. The disciples had been with Jesus for quite a long time now, and they still don't seem to understand that when he asked them to do the impossible, he has a plan to show them that with God, nothing is impossible. So after the disciples clearly showed that there was no natural way for them to feed all these people, Jesus showed them exactly how they could give food to all those people. Jesus instructed the people to arrange themselves in an orderly fashion. And the text tells us that there are 5,000 men plus women and children. Now, children never, ever ventured this far from home without their parents. And women, especially women, had to be careful not to get caught far from home without an escort. That would be a father, a husband, or a grown son. The people would naturally arrange themselves into families. Then, as though they were all part of his family, God the Son gave thanks to God the Father. He then gave the food to his disciples, and his disciples gave the food to the fathers, and the fathers gave the food to their families. And we read that all ate and all were satisfied. And then Jesus had instructed his disciples to feed the people, and then he provided the food so that the people could eat their fill. Not just a snack. They ate their fill. And in today's gospel, Jesus worked through his disciples to fill thousands of empty stomachs. But today, today he feeds us through farmers, through wholesalers, grocers, and the people who transport our food from place to place. Jesus healed the people in the crowd. Today, Jesus gives the gift of healing to people. And they go to school, and they become doctors and nurses 
and pharmacists and so forth in order to bring God's gift of healing into our lives. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. But it's not just bread that we're talking about, petitioning. Martin Luther asked the question, what is meant by daily bread? And then he answered with these words. Our daily bread is everything that belongs to the support and the needs of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, field, cattle, money, goods, a pious spouse, pious children, pious servants, pious and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, discipline, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. Jesus regularly works through people to bring us the things that we need. All the people who bring God's daily bread to us are God's answer to this petition. Just as Jesus delivers daily bread through people, he also delivers his salvation through people. Jesus earned our salvation by bearing the punishment of our sin when he hung on the cross. And as he hung on the cross, he took away our sin and he gave us his righteousness. He has promised to give us eternal life with him and his resurrection from the dead is the sign that he keeps all of his promises. Now, the only problem is, is that he hung on that cross and he rose from the dead outside of Jerusalem almost 2,000 years ago. How does he get his forgiveness and the promise of eternal life from the first century Jerusalem to the 21st century Westminster, California? How does he do that? The feeding of the 5,000 is not just an event in the life of Jesus. It does not just show us that with God nothing is impossible. It also shows us a picture of the way that God serves his people through all of the ages. Jesus did not walk up to every person and hand them their fish sandwich wrap one at a time. Instead, he gave the food to his disciples to give to the people to distribute among themselves. This is the way that the Lord does things. He does the miracle, and then he distributes the gifts through his disciples. Jesus gave his eternal gifts to his servants, the apostles, and the apostles gave the gifts to us in their writings. And the book that we know as the Holy Bible, well, the church has passed this down from generation to generation. People have died 
so that we can have the writings of the prophets and the apostles. And it is through those writings that Jesus Christ passes his gifts on to us. The gifts that he earned for us on, on the cross. The gifts of forgiveness. The gift of life. The gift of salvation. So, for you, when fathers teach their children to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, they are taking the very forgiveness that Jesus earned for them on the cross, and they are giving it to their children, or their grandchildren, or their great-grandchildren. And when pastors pour water on us, according to Christ's command, they are giving us Jesus himself along with the water. And when pastors bless the bread and the wine, according to Christ's command, they are giving us the very body and blood of Jesus himself along with those elements. See, God reigns through these simple actions. And because God reigns, his kingdom is here, now. And as Jesus himself often preached, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The feeding of the 5,000 teaches us that Jesus cares for our every need of both body and of soul. And as we hear that Jesus blessed the food and he gave it to his disciples, we learn. We learn that Jesus cares for our needs by working through the people around us. So, the next time that you are stuck behind a slow-moving farm equipment, or more in line with southern Orange County, the next time I'm preaching to myself, I find myself in traffic behind slow-moving group of trucks and travelers flying in formation across all five lanes of the 405, I need to remember, and you do too, that, that is God at work making sure that you are getting the food that you need to sustain your life. In fact, there are farmers right now there are drivers right now that are delivering food, farmers that are raising the wheat that will be ground into flour that will make those little bland crackers, wafers that the pastor blesses. And those bland little wafers that transfer the risen Christ into your mouth. You see, God has a habit of working through ordinary people, through ordinary things, to give us extraordinary gifts. And may the Holy Spirit give us eyes to see God at work in the ordinary. In the name of Jesus, amen.